Pastor Ed Taylor speaks of a great advantage and responsibility that we have. Here you and I are today with the Word of God in our laps and in our hands. God has committed to you and me His Word. And with that great commitment, then comes great responsibility. It's something that the Jewish people really didn't live up to in the sense of listening to God's Word and obeying it. And so there is a great advantage with you being a Christian today. There is a great advantage with you hearing God's word today. There is a great advantage with you having his word in your hands and in your lap and in your life. But with that great advantage comes great responsibility. It's not enough just to know it. It's more so to live it. This is amazing grace. Think of the great advantage we have today in the Word of God being made available to us. You can turn on the radio like this and hear it being taught. You can read the Bible online or through an app. You hear it being taught at church every week. But with this great advantage comes great responsibility, as we'll discover today on Abounding Grace. Pastor Ed Taylor pulls that out of Romans chapter 3 and verses 1 and 2. Paul's laying out for us the plan of salvation and what he's saying is that there's only one way with Jesus. There's not two ways, Jesus and something else. There's not three ways to be saved. There's not a list of menu items that you can choose on how you might want to be saved. One way, and that's through his son, Jesus Christ. And as the Father teaches us, the Holy Spirit inspiring Paul, he's laid out for us in different categories of people. For instance, chapter 1 is really written to those that are unrefined sinners, if you will, the unrepentant, the heathen, the ones that have no regard and no desire for God. And as you go through chapter 1, we learn that even the unrefined person apart from God needs Jesus Christ. Then he turns a corner into chapter 2, and chapter 2 is written to the religious person. The person that says, well, I'm not so sure that I really need salvation. I can understand why they need it, but I'm not so sure why I need it. And he writes, no, no, you need it too, religious person. You need it too, self-righteous hypocrite. You need Jesus. And for some, chapter 2 is like, whoa, those are, that's heavy duty. I never viewed myself as a hypocrite before, but we spent some time looking at how easy it is for us to be in that category. He turns a corner now, going from the unrighteous to the self-righteous. Now in chapter 3, it's to the super-righteous. There's a group of people there that are listening to this letter known as the Jews. And as far as the Jews are concerned, they were totally, absolutely, 100% right with God just because they were born into the right family, because of their heritage, because of what God had given them in particular, they had so separated themselves from the world, so unlike God's heart, that they weren't even concerned with the world anymore. They were just fine with themselves. Remember at the end of chapter 2, the last time we were together, verse 28, Paul said this that must have shocked people listening. It says, he is, For he is not a Jew who is one outwardly, nor is that circumcision which is outward in the flesh, but he is a Jew who is one inwardly, 
And circumcision is that of the heart in the spirit and not in the letter whose praise is not from men but from God. You know, people were listening to that and they were circumcised and that was the outward sign that they were a part of the family of God, that they associated with God. And I'm sure that they're shocked. They're like, wait a minute. I was circumcised. That's got to account for something. I was born into the Jewish family. That's got to account for something. I mean, wait a minute. And Paul, being the masterful person that he is, inspired by the Holy Spirit, he anticipates the question in verse 1 of chapter 3, what advantage then has the Jew or what is the profit of the circumcision? I mean, he's right there. Now, we don't hear much about circumcision. I've never heard a Christian say, hey, how are you doing? I'm circumcised, man. Now you don't hear that. <laughs> you don't hear that at all today. But I'll tell you what you do hear. Hey, how you doing, Christian? I was water baptized. Yes, I was. I go to church. I own a Bible. I'm, I pray. And we do take glory at times in that which is outward. And then the Bible will come and say, it's not what's outward, guys. Don't just focus on the outward. Don't just make sure everything outwardly looks good. Don't just make sure you're trying to impress everybody when you're at church. Don't be one thing at home and another thing at church. Don't be one thing at work. I mean, over and over and over again, that's right to the heart. It's inside. And the question today is your heart right before the Lord. I mean, you could fool all of us today. We would all go home thinking, what a great Christian. Man, she's got it all together. But you're not fooling God. God totally knows your heart. And if you live that way in relation to salvation, it's like, I'm right with God because I got all the outward things going. And you never really connect with Jesus Christ. Then, friend, you're just as bad. And you're in just a bad position as the people in chapter 1 without God completely. See, God, he sent his only begotten son for you. Out of love. I mean, to think about the love of God toward us. That even when we were in our most unlovely state, I mean, our most undeserving state of any part of our lives, that's God sent while we were ungodly and not desiring him. And if you know about God sending his son to you out of love and you have yet to receive him in just a few moments, you're going to have an opportunity to say, you know what, God, I want to be right with you. I don't want what that's just external. I don't want people just to think I'm a, I want to know that I know that I know that I am right with you, God. It's not a transaction between me as a pastor and you as a person. It's a transaction spiritually whereby God says, I will give you new life. You'll be born again. You don't want to substitute anything for being born again. You don't want to substitute any religious experience. You don't want to come to the place and say, well, I've been circumcised. I've been water baptized. I've done everything the church has told me to do. No, you want to be right with God. And it's not what the church has told you to do, but what God has told you to do. The Bible says, whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Let me talk to you Christians just for a second. Because as I'm sharing the gospel, sometimes Christians go, whoopee-doo, I'm already saved. I don't need to hear that. <laughs> but you know, there are times in your life where you need to call upon the name of the Lord so he might save you from what you're going through right now. It's like, well, I'm going to handle it. I've got this financial crisis. I'll take care of it. I've got this situation. I'll jump in. I know how to do it. And I'll put this together. And I'll put that together. And, and all the while, the Lord's saying, would you call upon me? Because I want to save you from it. Call upon me because I want to intervene in your life. Call upon me because I'll let you in on some of the things that I'm actually doing in your life through this situation. I know it's difficult at times to walk through the valley of the shadow of death. I mean, we see the valley up ahead and we say, no, thank you. But the Bible says that our good shepherd, 
He leads us through. He cares for us through. He loves us through those valleys. One thing I've learned, and it's amazing how long it takes to learn things. Have you ever noticed how long it takes you and me to learn? Oh, maybe you, Ed, but you too, I'm sure. <laughs> it's like you, you, this, this thing pops in your mind, and you're like, oh, wow, that's cool. And you're like, I've been a believer for a long time. Why didn't I learn that back then? But one thing the Lord's been really showing me is that I don't need to worry about what the shepherd sees. And I don't need to worry about what the shepherd sees. I don't need him to fill me. Where are we going, shepherd? Where are we exactly going? What valley? What hill? I mean, tell me, Lord, what's happening up there? I don't need to be worried about what the shepherd sees because I think if I see what the shepherd sees, I'll be afraid. So I don't think we want to go there. There are wolves over there. I don't want to go by the wolves. And that's a very painful place over there. But where my eyes should be is not what the shepherd sees. I just need to keep my eyes on the shepherd. And he's already going to take care of it. He's already got it all in order for me. And so often my eyes are over here. What's over here, shepherd? And my eyes are over there, and I want to know everything the shepherd knows. I'm learning. I don't want to know everything the shepherd knows. I just want to know the shepherd because he's going to take good care of me. He's going to really, really protect me and you. And maybe your eyes are not on the shepherd this morning. Something's taking your eyes off the shepherd. It's like, I see this, and I see that. And my heart, to your heart today, is just get your eyes back on the shepherd don't take control of your life. It's like, well, I've got it all in order now, and I know what decisions to make. Could it be that you have no idea what decisions to make? That the shepherd has something sweet and wonderful in store for you, and if you just keep your eyes on him, even if you follow him in some very difficult places, he is going to take really good care of you and your family. What advantage, he says, has the Jew? I mean, really. What's the profit of the circumcision, he says, verse 2? Much in every way chiefly because to them were committed the oracles of God. What advantage did the Jews have? Well, one of the advantages is that God gave them his word. Talk about an advantage. He committed to them. See, here you and I are today with the word of God in our laps and in our hands, and the same is true for us. God has committed to you and me his word. And with that great commitment, then comes great responsibility. It's something that the Jewish people really didn't live up to in the sense of listening to God's word and obeying it. And so there is a great advantage with you being a Christian today. There is a great advantage with you hearing God's word today. There is a great advantage with you having his word in your hands and in your lap and in your life. But with that great advantage comes great responsibility. It's not enough just to know it. It's more so to live it. You see, the Jews, they trusted in themselves. And the word of God actually made them religiously confident in the things. They trusted in the knowledge that they had rather than the power of God to live out that knowledge. It's not enough just to be someone that I know the Bible. But really, do people know Jesus through you knowing the Bible? That's the big question. So I know all that. I mean, let's play Bible trivia, man. I want to play some trivia because I'm going to win. I mean, I've been studying all the little details of every little Bible book back there, and I'm ready to play Bible trivia. When your life is a big game of Bible trivia. Did you know that? Question after question after question after question comes into your life, and the Holy Spirit says, how are you going to answer this one? What are you going to do here? How are you going to take this? And which direction are you going to go here? And how are you going to handle this person? And what kind of love are you going to show that person? And then he throws some really heavy-duty ones, some bonus questions in there. And he drops this person right in your office and says, okay, what are you going to do with this one? And I'll give you the answer. Love your enemies. Here you go. 
like, oh, man, I quit. I don't want to play this game anymore. But see, the Lord is good, and he's great. We don't want to fall into the trap. We don't want to fall into the trap of this self-righteousness because of what we know. We don't want to fall into the trap. Of, I've been in church my whole life. I've learned all about the Bible. I've marked my Bible up. I've circled it. I put stars next to it. I've got multicolor markers all over it. And I think it's great, by the way. I think you should write and mark your Bibles up. I think you should highlight things that speak to your heart and draw a circle around something and mark it and maybe even write down little dates next to scriptures where God's brought them home to your heart. But more importantly, not you marking your Bibles, but the Bible marking you. That you're marked by God's word in life and in practice and in deed. And so we get caught up in outward externals too. All of us do. It doesn't matter what church you go to. It doesn't matter where you worship. We can all get caught up in externals because it's easier, we think, to put up a front. It's easier, we think, to put on a show when in reality anyone that's ever done that has found out how hard it is. So much energy is wasted trying to make someone think that we're someone that we're not when all that energy could be spent abiding in the Lord Jesus Christ and letting him live his life through us. See, we don't need to worry about this room being filled with perfect people because let me tell you something. It is not filled with perfect people. It's filled with people, for the most part, that have been redeemed by Jesus Christ. And God is concerned about those things that affect your life. And he that began a good work in you, you know what he'll do? He'll finish it. And that's what he's doing. These are all the finishing touches on your life. As he's finishing it, rubbing out those rough edges and allowing your spirit to work in you is going to greatly benefit you. The Jew had great advantages. The greatest one was really receiving God's word. He revealed his word to them. Isn't that cool? Isn't it cool to think of just the revelation, the understanding of God's word? Think back for a moment. For the very first time, something in the Bible made sense to you. I mean, something just really, the light turned on, and you're like, oh, man. I remember as a kid, I would sit in church very much like this in a pew, absolutely having no idea what that guy is saying. I mean, some of you are like, oh, it's me right now, man. I have no idea what you're saying. And it's, my parents even knew I had no idea. So they provided me with all the crayons and coloring books that would get me through the service. And I'm squirming around, drawing pictures of the pasture. And, you know, you don't want to know what kind of pictures they were. But I was all, I, I didn't, I had no idea. But at age 23, it clicked. Like, oh, wow. I mean, this book is not as irrelevant as I thought it was. I mean, it has power. I mean, it has power to change my life. God wants to do a work in me that I'm not the throwaway that so many people said I was. I mean, God, you love me. I mean, you care about me. And the light just turned on. The Spirit of God opened my eyes to my own sinfulness. The Bible went from being just black and white and red letters to full color. And that's every day of our lives, you know. It continues to be full color 3D of what God wants to do in us and through us. And through the Jews, they received God's word. God used prophets and leaders and apostles to proclaim his word to the world. And what a wonderful privilege that is for them then and for us now. Do you know that the Jews' love for God's word, it's their love and their passion and their devotion to God's word that has helped to preserve it for us today? I mean, their awe and their reverence of God's word. We have in our hands the word of God that is 
from God because we know that the Jews copied it with the highest reverence and honor? Do you know the Jews would never set their Bibles on the floor, their scrolls? Never. They would never set something on top of it. They would never make sure it was put. They would always make sure it was put on something that wasn't dirty, that was clean, because they were totally in reverence and awe of the privilege of having God's word. As a matter of fact, the Talmud, which is a commentary on the Torah, the first five books in the Old Testament, gave specific instructions how to care for the scrolls. Just listen to some of them. An authentic copy must be the exemplar from which the transcriber ought not in the least to deviate. No word or letter, not even a vowel mark, must be written from memory, the scribe not having looked at the codex before him. Between every consonant there should be the space of a hair or a thread. Between every word, the breadth of a narrow consonant. Between every new section, the breadth of nine consonants. Between every book, three lines. Besides this, the copyist must sit in full Jewish dress, wash his whole body, not begin to write the name of God with a pen newly dipped in ink, and should a king address him while writing the name, he must take no notice of him. The roles in which these regulations are not observed are condemned to be buried in the ground or burned, or they to be banished to the schools to be used as reading books." And it goes on and on. There are many more ingredients and instructions on how they were to carefully copy and care for the scrolls of God's word. They highly reverenced the word of God. There was a deep awe and respect for God's word. Now, I think as Christians, we've got a good, we've got to down that intimacy part of our relationship with Jesus Christ. I think we do a really good job with that. I think that there is that desire in our hearts to have a personal, deep, abiding relationship with God. But sometimes we miss the awe and the majesty of God. I mean, the, the just unbelievable. Remember how Isaiah was when he was in the heavenly scene and he just saw the glory of God before him and he says, woe is me. I am a man of unclean lips. I am surrounded by people. I mean, when I see the glory of God, I see me for who I am and God, I need you more. Somewhere along the way, I think we've lost the awesomeness of God. I'll tell you how that looks. You know, in our house from time to time, we'll say something or see something and just say, oh man, that's awesome. You know, we get a good In-N-Out burger in Southern California. Oh, that's awesome. And I know, I'll tell you what, I'll know. As soon as that word comes out, it's going to be five seconds or 10 seconds, but one of my kids is going to say, awesome like God. It's like, no, it's not awesome like God. I mean, it was good, but it's not awesome like God. Because in our family, we throw that word awesome around for all kinds of things. Like last night, how could you not watch the USC game and say, awesome. <laughs> we lose the awe and the reverence for God. You know, I think we love the Lord with all our hearts, but we've lost the awesomeness. The, the relationship, it can get so close where we're no longer in awe of God and who he is in our lives. And the danger, of course, of that is relegating God to a God of our own image. In Exodus, listen, chapter 3, you can jot it down, verse 5. Then he said, do not draw near this place. Take your sandals off your feet, for the place where you stand is holy ground. You see, the book here is no ordinary book. This isn't just any other book out there. You know, you could take any bestseller off the shelves at Barnes & Noble today, take it home and read it, and it will not change your life. Oh, it might change a few behaviors. I mean, there are a lot of great self-help books. I just, by the way, you know, just understand you don't need self-help. You need help from God, okay? Just understand that. So oh, I need some help. I'm going to help myself. But aren't you the one that caused all the problems? What do you want self-help for? 
You need God in your life. You need God to do a work. But you can pull that book off and they can give you some behavioral changes. Don't do this. Start doing that. And you're like, okay, I can start doing that. But only God's word can say, here's what your life looks like. Here's the solution to your life, a relationship with Jesus Christ. And here's the power to live that life. There is no other book on the face of the planet that has ever been, that exists now or will ever be, that will have the power of God in it. This book is no ordinary book. And generally, that high view of Bibles in our hands has been lost today. And it's continuing to be lost. Where the Bible's just not that big a deal anymore. And it could come in our society. It could come from the fact that we can have, like on my computer, I've got 30 plus Bible translations. I can look them up anyway, backwards, frontwards, cross-reference. I can look it all over. I've got this version with this cover on this shelf over here. And I've got this Bible for this and this Bible for that. And it could be that we have so many and we're so blessed that we've taken a low view of the Scriptures. But you know that there are brothers and sisters across the world today that don't have a full copy of the Bible, let alone a full copy of one of the books of the Bible, that they share pages together and they memorize the book, the, the Bible, they memorize the books of the Bible, they memorize the chapters of the Bible because they know at any time the authorities could come and take the Bible or take the page or take what they have away from them. I think it's something that we've lost and I pray that the Lord would bring us back. It's so bad today that it's not just, that the Bible can be treated like any other book. Not only that, but in some circles today, it's not even being regarded high enough to bring to church. Listen, guys, the Bible, you need a Bible in church. You need a Bible in this church. You need a Bible in life. And don't let anybody take it out of your hands, well-meaning or not. Don't let anyone tell you it's not that important. Don't let anyone tell you, you know, I'll interpret it for you. No, you read the Bible. You pray for the illumination of the Holy Spirit. You follow what it says. Don't let anyone stand in the gap between you and God because there's only one mediator between God and man, and that's the man, Christ Jesus. And so you need a Bible. And we'll, if you don't have one, we'll give you one because you need it. Oh, well, you know, Pastor Ed, it's hard to read. I mean, there's a, the word, I, I know the letters are really small. I mean, I know. I, every year I need a big, pretty soon I'm just going to have like one letter right here on the pulpit. I can't even see it. I totally understand. But see, listen, you know, you start going through the scriptures and go, well, it's hard to read. I won't read it anymore. Really? Is that how easily you'll give up? It's hard to read? Or it's hard to understand. I won't read it anymore. Really? Is that how easily you're going to give up? Or oh, I can't find my Bible. I don't know where it is. I don't think I need it. Really? Is that how, is that how easy you're going to give up? The Bible speaks in Hebrews of enduring there's an endurance part of the Christian life. And the days in which we live, friends, we need to be enduring Christians. Not giving up so easily. Not letting the enemy take this precious book out of our hands. I'll tell you what, if you find yourself in a church where the word of God is not elevated, where it's not extolled as the very word of God, run out the doors as fast as you can. And some of you are thinking, now wait a minute, Ed, please. You're not telling me there are actually churches like that. Oh, yes, I am. And if you find yourself in one of them, whether you're here and you're visiting or you're listening to this on the radio, listen, you go to the pastor and say, why aren't we using the Bible here? I thought this was a church. Oh, get silence. Everybody's quiet. I'm serious. The Bible is important. It sure is, and that's why we open and study it each and every day here on Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Taylor. Today's message is based in Romans chapter 3 and called, Having God's Word is a Big Advantage. 
Look for it online at AboundingGraceRadio.com if you'd like a replay. Once again, that's AboundingGraceRadio.com. Another way to grow on the go is to download our free app. Do a search for Calvary Aurora and listen to Pastor Ed when it's most convenient. This month, we picked out a book we think you'll enjoy. It would even make for a great gift or stocking stuffer. It's The Case for Christmas by Lee Strobel. Sort of like a journalist, Lee Strobel investigates the identity of the child in the manger, focusing on the hows and whys of Christmas. It'll serve to reaffirm your faith and help seekers pursue solid answers about the first coming of Christ. We'll send it your way when you support Abounding Grace with a gift of $25 or more. Please remember this radio ministry is made possible through the generous support of listeners like you. And we'd appreciate it if you'd remember us in your year-end giving to the Lord. To request the case for Christmas, please call toll-free at 877-30-GRACE. And as I mentioned a moment ago, you can make a secure donation to the ministry online at AboundingGraceRadio.com. Glad you've taken time out for our study in Romans. We'll pick up where we left off next time we get together on Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Taylor. This is amazing grace. Abounding Grace is brought to you by Calvary Church Colorado here in Aurora.